What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack, and this is the Certified Wrench Podcast. Today, I am joined by um, somebody I tried to record with a couple weeks ago, um, and uh, my computer crashed. So we're going to try this again. Uh, I got Zeth Key on the phone. Hey, what's up? <laughs> we uh, This is going to be kind of fun, I guess. Uh, I can't really see you raise your hand or nothing or, uh, you know, let me know when you want to talk or stop or anything. So we're going to try our best here. I'm just going to wing it for round two. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Zeth is, I just know him as, uh, an ag tech on YouTube. He's got ZK master tech on YouTube. Um, man, how did, how did you get into that YouTube thing? So, um, about a couple years ago, me and my buddy Jake, um, we started messing around with YouTube, especially on, on his channel, and it was more automotive-related. And we were just kind of, you know, messing around with that, and, you know, he, it was kind of his project. And it was just getting started, and he ended up getting liver cancer, and he passed away a year ago in February. Man, that's so. Yeah, so before he passed away, he wanted me to, you know, kind of pick up the torch because, you know, our goal is, you know, to get a thousand subscribers, you know, try to get monetized on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I started my own channel and I named it, you know, ZK Master Tech. And I'm like, well, you know, what am I, what does my channel look like without him (laughs) anymore, you know, and, and how do I honor him? So, you know, the first, I just went out and I started a, a water pump job on a 9430 and I just started, you know, messing around with just filming. Right. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing this water pump job, but the water pump I put in had a bent shaft in it. And those water pumps on a 13.5, they go into the timing gears and it actually broke the timing gears when I tried to start it and just sent chunks of metal through the timing gears <laughs> of this engine just to like totally destroyed it you know I've i was there just to do like we replaced the water pumps on those engines at like 1500 hours yeah. and i was there just to do a water pump and i was just you know i was just gonna try filming it you know mm-hmm. and it just turned into this major project where i had to haul the tractor to the shop and pull the engine out and figure out you know what all broke and what happened and i ended up you know, getting a short block and rebuilding the whole engine. And I just filmed the whole project yeah. and it ended up being like three parts. So I just posted that to, to YouTube after I got it edited anything. And just, you know, that's where it all started and it just kind of blew up. Yeah. I've, I've seen I've, I, right pretty early on when I discovered you, um, I, I've, I watched that and you kind of never really said, you know, if the water pump was actually the failure you said you thought it was, but did you ever find out what it was? <clears throat> yeah. So when I took that water pump out, like whenever you would spin the shaft, you could see the wobble in yeah. the gear. Yeah. I remember that. Did it, So do you think that actually caused the, like the, cause I remember seeing like maybe teeth broke or something, you know, and sent it through the whole timing cover. Do you think that yeah, was caused it had it? to, because you know, that thing, ran perfect before I put that water pump in and I've done that job a hundred times, you know, it's just, you know, I could do it with my eyes closed and no one really thinks to take out a a brand new water pump out of the box and spin it and look and see if it's spinning true. You know, you you put so many in, you just, 
you're just doing the job basically, you know, <laughs> but it had just enough, you know, wobble in that gear where it must've cracked and b- broke one of the teeth whenever mm-hmm. I started. And then it just happened to send that chunk through. And then it just started a, a you know, downhill slope from there the yeah it just <laughs> went downhill from there yeah that's crazy man but go on with your uh, your youtube story here <clears throat> yeah so i did that project and then you know posted it to youtube and i was in ohio my wife's friend was getting married and we were at some golf course in columbus ohio and I, I went up to the bar to get a drink and talk with this guy that was sitting there and told him, and he recognized me. He's like, Hey, you're ZK master tech. And I'm like, <laughs> what? yeah, <laughs> like I had just posted that video like three days ago. Right. Jeez. And I'm just in some random golf course in Ohio and somebody recognized me and he's like, Hey, you know, my son does YouTube. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Who's that? And he's like, do you know a uh, diesel Creek? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know diesel Creek. I've heard of he that. goes, well, he's here. He's right over here. Maybe you want to talk to him. So I went over there and chatted up with, with Diesel Creek, and he kind of gave me some pointers, you know, what the do's and don'ts are, and just kind of gave me a little guidance, and I kind of took that and ran with it. Right on, man. That's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see it, you know, going so well for you because you haven't had that channel very long, have you? Or I should so say the, the... I started the, the channel in April of last year. Yeah. So I just started it and I was, I was having a lot of trouble um, with my back. Mm -hmm. I had herniated a disc in my back and I had been kind of working through it for three years, just terrible sciatic pain down my leg. And it's just, this is the worst job to do when you have sciatic pain. (laughs) It just, you know, takes the life out of you. Well, I ended up having to have surgery on my back to get that herniated disc fixed Mm -hmm. and so like right after i started the youtube channel i went and had back surgery and i went into the hospital and the surgery was like at 7 30 i walked out of that hospital 11 o'clock in the morning oh my god they told me all i had to do was get up and pee and i'm like well i can do that (laughs) that's awesome so i (laughs) so i just got up went and peed i'm like let's roll they rolled me out to the door. I got in my wife's truck and she drove me home. Man. And then about a day and a half later, I had the worst headache you could possibly imagine whenever I would sit up. Hmm. I wow. mean, you couldn't even talk. It just, you just nauseous and throwing up. Yep. Took me back to the emergency room and they thought that I had a spinal fluid leak. But since my surgery was so fresh, they couldn't see it. Hmm. So I spent about five days in the hospital, them trying to find it and couldn't find nothing. And three different doctors tell me three different things. I decided, well, I'm not getting any rest here. I might as well go home. <laughs> so I just, I left, I discharged myself. I went home and then I got some actual rest at home. Then about a week and a half later, that incision site just swelled up like a softball. Good just God, and it just felt like a water balloon there. And I was just having all kinds of weird neurological symptoms and pain. And I just couldn't get over it. So I went back to the emergency room and then they said, well, the good news is we found the leak. The bad news is it's a major leak and we're going to have to go back in for another surgery to try to fix it. 
So apparently in the process of fixing my disc, they nicked my one of my nerves and it was leaking spinal fluid bad enough to where they had to go in and find it and then surgically put it back together. They put a drain in my back. I had to lay flat on my back in the ICU for five days. And every hour they had to come in my room and drain spinal fluid out of my back. Gross. Gross. So I spent like 11 days in the hospital and then basically had to learn how to walk again. Like, you know, I was using a walker to try to walk (laughs) again. And then, you know, all summer the last year was me just recovering from that surgery. Yeah. And then as soon as I was able to get back to work, I started filming again. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that this so, YouTube story kind of got dark there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, you lay in the hospital bed, you, you kind of wonder if you're ever going to be able to do what you love to do. Yeah, no shit. You know, because I love playing drums. I'm a big drummer and I play mm-hmm. guitar and, and I like to wrench. And, you know, I, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to do that again. Yeah. And I just kind of pulled myself up by my bootstraps and just, you know, whipped myself back into shape and got back at it again. And now I'd say I'm, you know, 95 to 100%. Right on, man. I'm glad to hear that. So the early days of the YouTube channel, I'm actually recovering from back surgery. Wow. No shit. I'm going to have to so the watch stuff closely. You, the stuff you see me do, I'm actually, you know, recovering from back surgery. You know, and it wasn't even that long ago. They say it takes like 12 months to pull a heel from that surgery. And that was just last April. Oh, God. You're wild. <clears throat> You're wild, man. Well, <laughs> let's, uh, but I'm a lot better now than I was. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm glad you know, I don't that. have any pain or sciatic pain on my leg. I can do my job. Yeah. You know, my, the doctors say I don't have any weight limits or restrictions. Just work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Use your knees. But, uh, and I got myself an apprentice so I can just, you know, <laughs> lucky <laughs> tell him to do all the stuff I want, I don't want to do. Yeah. Right on. But, uh, so that's how it got started. That's how, that's what all started the YouTube channel. Yeah. So you got to, had to lay on your, your back and, oh, I guess you didn't even have any stuff to edit. So that's, that had to be pretty boring. Yeah. It was. Well, I actually like produced like two or three videos while I was recovering. I had recorded so much footage before I had the surgery that I was able to go in and have enough videos to kind of release through the summer. Hmm. That works. I got you. Well, let's, uh, let's change it up, man. Let's, uh, I'm really curious, you know, to hear, uh, your story and I'm sure everybody else is, but how'd you, uh, where'd you start first of all? And, How'd you get where you're at now? So it all started, you know, as a kid growing up in a small town in Sullivan. I was born back in 1987 and uh, grew up in a small town, about 6,500 people. Um, Went to high school here in Sullivan, Illinois, is where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And uh, went to high school and they had a automotive program in high school it was a two-year program when you're a junior and senior so the first two hours of the day i would get on a bus and we'd go to another town just 15 minutes away and we would um, take a class with a automotive instructor and he actually owned his own independent repair shop in sullivan but the first two hours of the day he would go teach that class and his name is joe scribner 
and he was just awesome. You know, that's the class where you learn the basic, basic shop skills, you know, knowing what all your wrench sizes are, you know, mm-hmm. the four strokes of an engine, you know, you're learning all the basics basically. Yeah. Right. Hell yeah. So I loved it. You know, I didn't really like school, but I loved that class. Yeah, of course. I was the same way. <laughs> so taking two years of that. And then I also had in my senior year, I had a, a mentoring class where we had to go like find some place to go mentor. So I went to the GM Chrysler dealership in town and I started mentoring with the technicians in their shop. And I love that, you know, just being in the shop, being around, you know, really good technicians. And, you know, you're just basically, I didn't have to go there and do like sweep the floor or anything. I was just literally just watching them work. Really? Yeah. So I just got to just kind of be there and hand them tools or, you know, whatever. And the guys that were there were just incredible. That's cool. So whenever a WyoTech recruiter showed up to school one day, you know, told us all about WyoTech and everything, I decided, man, I really want to go do that. Cause I was just like super into cars. Mm-hmm. So my first car that I bought when I was 15 was a 1977 Chevy Nova, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't anything special, but it had 52,000 original miles. It had a, you know, a 305 engine in it and mm-hmm. a, a, a nice paint job done on it. it had nice wheels and tires. You know, it looked really nice. Like you could take it to a car show. Cool. So I started learning how to wrench on that. And me and my dad would, you know, we put a you know, new intake and carburetor and stuff on it. And I always remember, you know, my first big project on that car was putting a new intake and carburetor on it. And, you know, the first time you started after doing something like that, it just seems like a massive amount of work when you're that age. <laughs> yeah. And then whenever it like finally starts and it runs, it's just like that, you know, that super big sense of accomplishment, you know, yes, sir. it just, it got me hooked, man. So, um, but I also in that time of, you know, learning how to wrench on cars through, school and everything and my dad mm-hmm. um when i was um 17 years old i started dating my future wife donnea and you know our love story kind of started back in high school <laughs> so we dated for two years in high school and then whenever it was time for me to graduate i was supposed to go to wyotech right mm-hmm. but she was a year behind me so I graduated in 05, but she wasn't going to graduate in 06. So I went and worked at Hydrogear, where my dad works, and they basically manufacture um, hydrostatic transmissions for lawnmowers. Okay. I would say is, you know, what they generally produce. That's crazy. So I went there and worked on the assembly line for a year and saved up money because I was not going to leave her and, <laughs> you know, travel 1,200 miles away from home. So I was going to wait on her to graduate high school. So I saved up money and worked at the Hydra Gear. And then eight days after she graduated high school, we got married. Holy crap. And <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But you know when you meet the right person, you just know. You know? Of course. Of like course. She's, she's my kindred spirit. Like, you know, we just knew. Yeah. And we were both really immature for our age, too, you know. Right on. So our parents all supported it, you know, cause they'd been around us, you know, both for two years. So we got married and then we moved 1200 miles away from home and I started college at Wyatt Tech in Laramie. Mm-hmm. So while I was in Laramie, 
she worked as a CNA and made pretty good money. And then, you know, I had like student loans and stuff. So, you know, we, we made it work. So it was kind of like one year of a honeymoon (laughs) because, you know, like we literally just moved away from everything we've ever known and just spent like a whole year with just us learning how to live together, which I think was like the best thing I could have done. Yeah. Hell yeah. That sounds cool, man. So I went through Wyotech in Laramie and I took automotive and then um, I went into chassis fab and high performance engines, which I totally digged. I love that. Yeah. You know, they teach you how to MIG and TIG and oxyacetylene cut and plasma cut and, you know, you're fitting tubes, you're blueprint engines, you're flowing heads, you're, wow. you know, but what was cool about Wyotech back then is they taught you how to build your own tools. Like okay. you wanted a, a tube notcher, they gave you plans on how to build a tube notcher and you made it from scratch. No shit. That's awesome. You wanted to build a, a tube bender. There was a plan where you could build your own tube bender. Let me get those plans. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like not only did they teach you how to weld, but they taught you how to build your own fabrication equipment as well. See, in that class. I didn't know and that. And there was just some super awesome instructors back then. Mm-hmm. So I really excelled in uh, automotive and I really excelled in chassis fab. And mm-hmm. I was just really passionate about it, you know. And then I took a business management class at the end and got my associate's degree in business management. No kidding. <laughs> That's yep. crazy, man. I, I didn't know that. Huh. So... <clears throat> I graduated from there in 07 Mm -hmm. and I graduated, I was number two out of 600 students. So I got the runner up award basically. Uh, uh, You sure you like being a number two? Well, (laughs) you gotta, you gotta take what you can get, I guess, you know, (laughs) I graduated with a perfect, you know, GPA, but there was one guy that was just a little bit better than me, apparently. (laughs) That's awesome though. That's, that's cool, man. I have 600 people. Yeah. So when I was there, you know, I was, I didn't go party with all the other tech Mm -hmm. students. You know, I was married and living not in a dorm. I was living in a, a house that was a split into two apartments. The basement was our house. And then the upstairs was two other tech students. So, you know, we were kind of secluded from all the, the other students that just wanted to party all the time, you know? So while we were there, you know, I was learning how to be married and I was basically pouring everything I had into school. Wow. That's cool, man. So where'd you, uh, what happened after college? So after I graduated from Wyotech, we moved back to Sullivan okay. um, because she she wanted to start her college. She wanted to become a high school Spanish teacher. So wow. she went to uh, Lakeland College and then she ended up going to Eastern Illinois University. But while she was going to school, it was my turn to work while she went to school, right? <laughs> yeah. So I started at the Chrysler, GM Chrysler dealership that I mentored with through high school. Okay. So I started there and, you know, they just started me on hourly, you know, just to kind of get a feel for, you know, that kind of life. And then, I don't know, I think it was like six months later, they're like, okay, you're ready for flat rate. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> and oh, boy. So they switched me over to flat rate. And, you know, back then, 
at that period of time, it was good, you know, because there was plenty of business, plenty of cars being sold, plenty of used cars coming in. So you had plenty of that gravy work, you know, checking in those used cars, doing brake jobs and tires and tune-ups and services, you know, all that stuff that makes you quick money. So it was really easy to flag, you know, 60 to 120 hours a week. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, that's pretty good money. But I was also buying a lot of tools, too. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you make pretty good money, but you're also, you know, investing in yourself at the same time. And you're paying back student loan debt Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, and I was trying to put my wife through college as well. Man. So about two, what was it, about 2008, whenever that recession hit. Yeah. You know, the, the dealerships really took a hit because people weren't buying cars. Yeah. You know, people aren't buying cars and you're not getting used cars in. Then everything's either warranty or customer paid work. Mm-hmm. And there'd be times where you'd come in to the shop and you'd kind of get together, have a morning meeting. And, you know, they'd hand all the top techs, all the the good work, you know, because yeah. those guys got to get paid. Right. Of course. And then you'd get, and then you get handed an oil change. And if you're lucky, you had a key fob reprogram and maybe a tire rotation. <sighs> and that was, and that was it for the day. Damn. So maybe like so, two or three hours. Oh, maybe like 1.2. Oh my God. You know, you know, and you can only do that for so long. Yeah, of course. And I hated it because I had, I worked under the best technicians when I worked there, you know, they were the kind of guys that they wouldn't hold your hand. Yeah. You know, but they would help you whenever you really, really needed it. Mm-hmm. But they made you figure it out yourself. But also working in that flat rate environment, you're kind of in competition with each other. Of course. You know, so that actually drove me to be able to be more independent and figure things out for myself mm-hmm. quickly because that's how I had to put food on the table. Yep. So I got really good at, you know, drivability diagnostics and electrical because I had to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and so whenever like that recession hit and then things just started going downhill and I wasn't getting the hours, I just, I had to make a change. And my best friend growing up, Caleb Hawbaker, he went through the John Deere program at Lakeland College and he worked, started at Sloan's. And he was working there and he was, uh, he's like, Hey man, you ought to come, you know, come work to first loans. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know anything about tractors and combines, you know, like just green with black tires. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I played with, you know, John Deere toys and stuff and always dreamed about having a John Deere service truck and thought it was cool and everything. But, you know, I had to make a change, you know, I had people depending on me. So, I decided to leave the dealership and then start at Sloan Implement in Atwood, Illinois. And, you know, they kind of, I had to start over again, start at the bottom of the pay scale, you know, and just start (laughs) all over again, basically. And and back then they could be more picky of like who they hired, you know, Mm -hmm. because there was more people going through the deer program. So like, I was actually an ASC master technician at that time. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I had passed all eight ASCs. I was a master technician at oh, that wow. time. That's crazy. <laughs> and they, they like, took a chance on me. 
So well, I'm sure they, they hired. I'm, I'm sure they were like, well, this guy probably knows his shit, even though it's not tractors. He probably could probably pick it up pretty quick. Right, because at that time, John Deere was a little behind the automotive field mm-hmm. as far as electronics go. Yeah, you know, they were behind. So when I first started, you know, it was pretty easy for me to pick up on everything. It was simpler, but it was just bigger. Yeah, and it's just a little different. It works the same, but it's different. Yeah, but and I'm kind of one of those guys. You can tell me how something works, and I can like figure it out in my brain. I don't actually have to get my hands on it <laughs> per se. Okay. So, but once I get my hands on it, it's game's over. I I can figure it out really fast. So, I was able to pick it up super quick. So after my first year with Sloan's, they were like, man, you're doing great. You know, they gave me like a, like a 10% raise after my first year. And, you know, and every year after that, it just kept giving me bigger raises because I just kept, you know, succeeding. And I think I was there for like two years and we had a couple of the older guys that quit Uh and they're like, Hey, you're going to be in a service truck. Here you go. And they just. (laughs) Threw me to the wolves. So let me let me ask you a question because you left obviously because of recession. You left the Chrysler dealer. Was it affected much on the farm side, or no. were you still pretty busy? So at that period of time, the the corn and bean prices were just through the roof. Yeah, like people were coming to the dealership. Farmers were coming to the dealership and just be like, "Please spend my money." <laughs> you know, yeah. they were just. You know, a lot of our big customers, they would buy a new combine and a new row crop tractor, a new, you know, mm-hmm. four-wheel drive tractor, a new planter. Everything was new every year. They just, every year they got a new one. We were setting up, you know, 25 to 30 combines brand new every year. I got you. Wow, that's, a, that's quite a and bit. so we kind of flooded the market with a bunch of new equipment, and then the grain prices went down. Mm-hmm. And then there was just so much equipment out there. And then it just kind of took it a while to to get it back up. But the service work never stopped. I got you. Yeah, I, just, I, I was curious about that because I, I didn't get into any, you know, John Deere stuff until 2015. So I missed the whole recession and whatnot. So I was kind of curious if it was the same for automotive as it was for I'm yeah, sorry, so I like for... I left automotive when it was at its lowest, and then as soon as I jumped into agriculture, it was like towards its highest. Yeah. Okay. Well, so uh, when what what year did you go over to to Sloan? So I started in Sloan of June of 2010. Okay. And you've been and there. I've since. been there ever since. <laughs> and you said you, you got thrown into a truck at two years. Two years, I got put in a service truck. Um, one of the guys I kind of mentored under, um, he decided to go to the red side. Oh. And they're just like, well, Doug's leaving, so we're just going to throw you in Doug's truck. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it was, you know, a, a Chevy 3500 with a 11-foot readings bed that had, you know, like four drawers that were like literally like six feet long. They like went across the the bed (laughs) i'm like and then i had the flip up top so you could put a ton of tools in that truck and not have to have a road chest or anything Mm -hmm. so i kind of got lucky there so i started out in that truck and then 
you know, I just went out and made a reputation for myself, you know, like I was also lucky when I started at the John Deere dealership because a lot of the guys that were in there were in their, I'd say fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys have been working on deer stuff since, you know, the seventies. So they were ready to go. So these guys were ready to go, but they also knew their stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like I learned more from those guys than, than anybody. Hell yeah. That, you know, that's the best to learn those, from. A lot of those guys are like second dads to me, you know? So yeah. I was just super fortunate to be able to put, be put with those guys and, and learn from the best, you know, mm-hmm. but kind of take, you know, the new age technology and, you know, kind of run with that. Cause I was coming out of, you know, I knew a lot of electronics and controllers and can bus and, you know, they were more, you know, older tractors and yeah. stuff, but all that older stuff you still need to know. Yes, of course. You know, rebuilding hydraulic cylinders and, basically learning hydraulics on a whole nother scale <laughs> you know like these guys knew all that you know they knew how to work on combines i knew nothing about combines basically everything yeah. i knew was you know drivetrain basically yeah, yeah. cv joints and stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah brakes and all that stuff so you know i was really fortunate to learn from those guys and that allowed me to kind of succeed in a dealership really fast because i was able to pick it up super quick so mm-hmm. about six years in it took me six years to earn my master through john deere okay yeah I'm so only... basically you, you go you know you get your cores which is yeah. service visor hydraulics and electrical, electrical. Yeah. and then once you get your basic cores then you can start doing the product application and kind of working your way up from there but it took me six years of working and going to school to finally earn my master and then i just you know they always just send me to jobs that are going to challenge me basically you know yeah and just you keep doing stuff that's just harder and harder and more challenging you know if you don't get nothing but hard stuff and challenging stuff you know it just makes you a better technician yeah and i gotta say one of my favorite videos that you have is the 8rx that was having issues i can't remember it was a controller, yeah. Um, but that—that's one of my favorites because I love challenging stuff like that. And to see yeah. you get put through the ringer, I'm like, I've been there, and I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so know. that's what it takes to be a good technician: is to be thrown in a situation where the service information is not going to lead you to a result. Mm-hmm. You have to fix this machine when there's. N- no one else to help you. There's no service information. You just have to know that equipment so well that where you can just basically fix any problem from either looking at electrical schematic or hydraulic schematic. You don't even need their diagnostic steps. And of course, I think that's what really separates, you know, a good technician from a bad technician. Yeah. And of course, some guys just want to be able to watch a YouTube video and figure out how to fix something and just go step by step. YouTube certified. You know, a good technician can, basically read the theory of operation and then take that information to a electrical schematic or a hydraulic schematic and be able to fix the problem without even going into the diagnostics, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, which sometimes there's diagnostics won't lead you anywhere. Yeah. I mean, no. yeah, there are some pretty good diagnostics, but there's a lot of times where 
like that 8RX, for example, there was nothing in the diagnostics that was going to lead me to effects of that track. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I, I had to know that we were putting a two-year-old planner on a brand new tractor that just got released that the softwares just weren't compatible. Yeah. And you basically. did exactly what I would have done. Update the software on the planner first, you know, and yep. everything you did was correct. And the, I, I'm pretty sure you stumped DTAC a little bit, didn't you? I did. <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the times when I put in a DTAC case, I think they draw the, they're drawing straws yeah. whenever they see my name come up. They're like, Oh gosh. Well, and, and this, this isn't to like shit talk, you know, John Deere at all. It's when I went to training in, I can't remember if it was Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, well they have a training facility at um, one of the places in, uh, why am I brain farting? Anyways, just south of Phoenix out there. And, I was staying at a hotel and some of the guys that were in DTAC were there and it was just like dudes straight out of college that have never worked on a machine, you know, and I'm, I was mm -hmm. just kind of blown away by that. It's like, so how are you going to help me? And they're like, oh, well, we just go into old DTACs and anything that kind of gets close to it, we go off of that and tell you what to test and stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> so after that, it took me, it took me a while to actually, you know, write DTACs and have confidence in what I was, you know, trying to fix. Yeah. Like DTAC is like a box of chocolates. You never really know what you're going to get. <laughs> That's such a good, a good way. I'm using that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you'll get guys that basically they wrote the diagnostic procedures yeah. for a seven hour or eight hour tractor. You know, those guys are the ones you want to get, but you know, they're, they're probably struggling with the same thing that we're struggling with is trying to get people. people hired to fill that technical position. Yeah. I've, I've actually been approached by them from, for the Waterloo zone. Uh, they were trying to get me to come in and work and I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to sit in a cube farm. No, thanks. But, yeah. That, you know, when you think about like becoming a DTAC guy or becoming, you know, a service manager, mm -hmm. like you look at our jobs, field technicians, and you're like, everything that I like about my job goes away. Yeah. I like being outside away from everybody. Yeah. Like, you know, what, what are the things you love about your job? You, you like being out in the field. Mm -hmm. You like to be able to listen to music while you're working. Yep. You like to be able to hang out with the customers. Yeah, exactly. Get to you, get to be a. You like person. to be able to do challenging problems and be the hero of the day everywhere <laughs> you go. Yeah. And the minute you sit into that chair behind that computer desk, your brain gets sucked from your ass. Yeah, and you turn into a big old asshole. <laughs> no offense, anybody. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, it, it just. A guy like, like me, I just, I can't sit behind a computer and answer emails and phone calls all day. Yeah. And get bitched at. Yeah. You're the middleman for everyone. Yeah. For the sales department, the parts department, and then all the technicians and all the customers. Hmm. You're the middle guy. Yep. So uh, I've got a question for you in regards to the YouTube channel. And it, I've always thought this, um, well, I guess first of all, before I get to my my other my question is, 
when you wanted to start this, was it hard to convince your employer, like, Hey, I'm going to take some videos. Uh, are you okay with this? Like, how did that work? So I approached, um, Jeff Sloan. Oh, okay. Which, you know, he is, I work for Sloan implement. So, you know, the head owner of the company is Tom Sloan and then his son is Jeff Sloan. Mm -hmm. So every once in a while, like Tom or Jeff or, you know, the CEO of the company, um, Jim Steck will come around each store and, you know, they'll literally talk to every single person at the dealership, ask Mm -hmm. you how you're doing. You know, they, they know your name. They're, you know, pretty personal people. I, I, I love the guys at our, you know, our HQ, which is an assumption, you know, all the guys that, that run Sloan implement, Mm -hmm. every one of them are just super awesome people. Like they are awesome. So, um, I think Jeff came in one day and, you know, I had made some videos, but I hadn't posted anything yet. Mm -hmm. And I just told him, you know, what I was thinking about doing. I'm like, you know, I've got these videos. I was thinking about starting this YouTube channel. And I'm like, you know, the things I want to do is I want to show the world this side of agriculture. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, you got a lot of guys like Millennial Farmer, Larson Farms. We're all seeing the farmer side, mm-hmm. you know, of YouTube, but no one really goes into the technical side. Yeah. So I wanted to show the world, you know, what it takes to keep these guys like Millennial Farmer running. Mm-hmm. You know, because without guys like me, these guys can't run. Yeah. And how hard some so, of the repairs are. Yeah, we're not going out and fixing forty twenties that are, <laughs> you know, pulling old school plows. You know, yeah. we're fixing combines and tractors that drive themselves. Yeah. So I wanted to show the world, you know, what what we kind of do, mm-hmm. but then also I wanted to show, you know, the world what we do and get people that are young like me back in the day in high school, you know, show them this career. You know, get people yeah. interested in becoming a John Deere technician so we could use this YouTube channel as a recruiting tool because all the high school ag programs and mechanic programs and shop classes are all getting cut from the curriculum. Yeah. And kids are yeah. told, you know, you're not going to be anything unless you go get a four-year degree, which is bullcrap. Yeah, definitely. You know, so how are these kids going to get interested in a career like this when they don't even know it exists? Yep. But, but you know what? Everybody is on YouTube and Instagram, Facebook. So I, you know, I decided, you know, that would be a really good tool to get young kids interested in becoming John Deere technicians. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my selling point for the whole channel. And they, and they just thought it was great. They thought it'd be awesome. So they gave me permission to do it. And I'm like, well, I might as well advertise for you guys too while I'm at it. So Hell yeah, so <laughs> I just started doing. That's awesome. See, I, I was curious about that because I'm sure sometimes it takes a minute to set up whatever you're doing, and I'm sure they were like, "Well, you're going to waste time, and we're not going to build a customer for that." Right. So everything that I do, I try my best to not let it, let it take any extra time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you watch my videos, you know, you you walk up to a project and you kind of think in your head what you're getting ready to do. Mm -hmm. You kind of, you know, you're just thinking of what you're going to do. I just say it out loud and film it. That's yeah. Okay, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So I just, you know, 
I walk up to the machine and be like, well, we're going to do this and this and this, and then we're going to do this. And then I just, you know, I film myself. And then all I do is, you know, I set up a tripod or, you know, I film everything with an iPhone. Mm -hmm. Everything I do is with an iPhone. (laughs) That's so crazy to me. (laughs) I mean, iPhones are insanely, you know, good now, camera wise and all that. Right. So all you need to do to film in YouTube is you need to film 1080p and 60 frames per second. And, you know, most of your new iPhones do that. Yeah. And you don't have to deal with SD cards. You know, you don't ever have to worry about losing any, you know, videos or anything because an SD card failed. You know, they just work. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing they're lacking is, you know, the microphone, basically. Yeah. Audio audio is not, you know, it as good as it needs to be which i'm working on i'm trying to upgrade all that but (laughs) i wanted to kind of show that anybody could do this if i can do it anybody can do it i got you i got you um yeah i was i was curious about that but my biggest question regarding it all is i know in when the was it the uh i think it was an 8rx video and i think the ec was going bad you had some injector drivers or something like that uh, yep. and you walked up to the customer, Hey, I'm videoing. Do you mind? Or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> most of you, most of your videos are in the shop. I, I noticed, but when you go out and try to film in the out there, what, what do they say about it? <laughs> you know, and I can, I kind of have a feel for what customers I can do it with, mm-hmm. you know, cause most of my customers I, I've known for yeah. over a decade. Of course. So I spent a lot of time with these guys and I kind of know which people won't care because they know that even though I'm filming it, I'm probably going to get it done faster than most people will, you know, and I, and I try to not take any extra time filming it. Now, if we're in the heat of battle, I don't give a crap about filming. Yeah, I I got you. You know, if it's a really good customer and, you know, and they're down, I don't film nothing. So mm-hmm. there is so much content that people miss and don't see because I'm just going 100%, you know, balls out trying to get stuff fixed. I got you. That makes sense. need to get you a GoPro on your head. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so a lot of the stuff that you see in the shop, that's because, you know, I got a little bit of extra yeah. time. Yeah. No, you I... know, like I, di- I didn't have as much content. You know, I had a little bit of content. Well, I just started this. So, you know, mm-hmm. like last spring, you know, all this stuff kind of pre-spring and then spring. But, you know, I kind of missed planting season and then summer. And then when I came back into it, you know, we were trying to get combines ready for harvest. And mm-hmm. then, you know, once my body was ready to handle harvest, you know, I was just kind of 100% because I was down for so long, you know, we were kind of far behind. Yeah. So, like, during the harvest in the fall, I just kind of worked my butt off and just kind of, you know, filmed a few things here and there, mm-hmm. you know. But um, you probably only see about 5% of my work. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah, no, I because I fired up a YouTube channel mainly for this podcast because if I got people in person, I'm going to try to make video of you know, the whole conversation just to share. Cause a lot yeah. of people like to see that. And yeah. I, I tried the other day to film my day cause I had a super easy day and I made this quick video and I mad props to you, man, because 
I kept forgetting to hit record or I couldn't get this, the, my phone set up in the right spot. And I made this crappy little 10 minute video and <laughs> for a whole day's work. And, uh, I'm not very proud of it. <laughs> yeah. So but not only do you have to play the technician, you have to play the director yeah, and the producer all at the same time and try to talk so, and, narrate and, and try to talk. So like when I'm doing a job, I'm actually thinking about, the editing process you know like i'll be like well now's a good time for a time lapse and some music yeah sure (laughs) and then you know i'll just go into you know there's a bunch of tedious tasks that i don't want to take up a bunch of film on yeah of course basically you know a bunch of little stuff and and i think you know adding that little time lapse and adding music you know kind of keeps people's attention it keeps them from you know hitting the skip button basically yeah yeah no that's you do i I think you do a great job on the videos. Um, and most of the time I'm just like, okay, because half of the stuff you do, I, <laughs> I already know how to do it. So, but I just like watching your content, man. It's great. But, uh, let's, 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 uh, jump into some other stuff here. You know, you, uh, you had probably one of the best questionnaires <laughs> that, uh, anybody sent me. And, really? Uh, yeah, man. You've, you hit it. Like, your bio was perfect topics you want to discuss any of that stuff was great some people are like oh i'm down to talk about anything you know it's like well <laughs> i don't know what to well, talk I about thought, with you i was like holy crap the certified wrench is going to have me on we better get prepared <laughs> man it's all good uh so i mean we can get into whatever you want to talk about i mean uh i'm i'm really curious you know uh from your topics, um, you suggested talking about apprenticeship versus college. Um, I kind of want to talk about that with you just because you went to an automotive program and now you're in the ag division, uh, of John yeah. Deere. And I kind of want to, I want to discuss that and your take on it and how you feel about it. And if you would have done it any different now that you've, you're in ag. Um, gotcha. What do you think? So I basically did an apprenticeship before Sloan's even had an apprenticeship program. Okay. If if you really think about it, mm-hmm. you know, because I wasn't a kid coming out of the deer program. Yeah. You know, they would get a high school kid that would need to be sponsored by a dealership to go to the deer program for two years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those kids were going to school for a certain amount of time and then they go work at the dealership for a certain amount of time. They're just back and forth for two years until they graduate. Right. Yeah. So I had just, mine was all automotive Mm -hmm. and I just came in like, okay, we're going to turn wrenches on this big green stuff that I know nothing about, Mm -hmm. but I already knew the basic shop skills. I knew electrical, I knew hydraulics, I knew powertrain, you know, it did, it was a lot easier for me to adapt. Yeah. So now that, you know, we have an apprenticeship program, you might take somebody straight out of high school or, you know, they might be older in age out of the military or something, you know, they don't, they have zero of what I had. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I had a lot of tools too. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, sense. now we're starting an apprenticeship program where we take somebody that has nothing and we're trying to turn them into a technician which is a really hard thing to do because, you know, even though you're, you're put with an experienced technician as an apprentice, we're trying to get work done. Mm -hmm. 
you know, if I got to spend time of teaching you righty tighty lefty Lucy, that's <laughs> going to do nothing but tick me off. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I can definitely see what you're getting at there. Uh, but I also understand that we need people in this industry and people aren't lining up outside the door applying for jobs. No, definitely. You know, it's different than whenever I first started. So we got to do something. Mm-hmm. So I have to have a little, I have to kind of humble myself and be a little bit more patient and try to teach, you know, apprentices, apprentices coming in and treat them like I wanted to be treated when I first started. Yeah, definitely. Um, but college, you're going to get all that basics, that basic stuff that I don't have to try to teach you while we're trying to get stuff done. Yeah, of course. So that's the kind of like apprenticeship versus college, mm-hmm. you know, in a nutshell. I got you. Yeah. No, I just kind of was curious, you know, because what you and I do is a hell of a lot different than what you and I used to do. Cause I, I worked, uh, from 2007 to 2015 in automotive and me going into it. Cause I went to John Deere ag as well. And it was easy, but it was different and hard at the same time. If that makes sense. And yeah, I totally get trying it. Trying to learn, you know, the, I, I pretty much got thrown to the wolves, you know, and, you know, I ha- had issues and my boss was like, well, file a DTAC. I'm like, well, what the hell's a DTAC, you know? <laughs> and when I started, it was service advisor four and we had all the discs. Yeah. And, you know, you so had to you go had a different sprayer, You had to put in disc four. If it was a combine, it was disc <laughs> six. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, if you wanted to download a payload, you had to go to this other site and custom performance yes and remember I, those days they just gave me the computer and expected me to know what i was doing and man I, if i could have done it different i would have tried to start you know in john deere when i got out of high school and i don't know if i would have tried to go to college or anything but anyways um I kind of lost my train of thought on what I was going to say. How, if you could go back and redo what you did, would you do it any different? Like, or would you still do it the same way? I do it the same way because, you know, like I said, learning how to work in flat rate mm-hmm. made oh, yeah. me more I didn't independent. Think about that. Yeah. Made me, I, I got good at teaching myself, mm-hmm. which is a really good quality to have as a technician is being resourceful and being able to figure stuff out yourself. Yeah, you know, I, I honestly didn't even think about the flat rate thing. I've done that too, but uh, yeah, that definitely makes sense. I can see what you're what you're saying there. Like when you're putting a, a short block in a PT cruiser that pays nine and a half hours and it takes yeah. you three days to get it done, you know, that kind of stuff ticks you off. And it's like, you know, what can I do to be get better, get mm-hmm. faster, mm-hmm. but it still be right because if it comes back, you're working on it for free. Yeah. Yep. So I think that part I would not change because I worked under really good technicians that trained me really well, but I was also forced to learn the hard way. Yeah. So I, the path that I took, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it because, you know, I think it made me a better technician because of it. Yeah. And I, I can definitely appreciate that, man. That makes perfect sense. And, um, well, I, you, you got anything else on that or you want to talk about something different? We can talk about, uh, 
what is the scariest oh shit moment you've had on the job? <laughs> well, I kind of talked about that in my second episode. I haven't had too many. Um, how about you? Oh, dude, I've got a lot, but the ones that stick out in my head involve fire. Okay. Okay. We can definitely talk about fire. <laughs> okay. So I guess the craziest oh shit moment I've ever had on the job was um, I went out. It was like right at the end of the harvest. I think uh, the farmer was in his last cornfield, right? Mm -hmm. And he wadded up his clean grain elevator chain in the top of the elevator. I've seen that. So I go, the, so I go there, and yeah, of course the the chain is just wadded up tighter than a drum in the top of that elevator in the grain tank. <laughs> so he had a hired guy there named Steve. And he's a mechanic as well. And this dude can do just about anything, right? Awesome. He's a pretty good, pretty good dude. So me and Steve were in the grain tank and, you know, I had my service truck there and I had to throw a torch line, you know, clear up over the grain tank and mm -hmm. an airline. I had a torch line and an airline thrown over the grain tank, right? So I couldn't get this chain unstuck. I was going to have to cut it with a torch. Right, just in yeah. chunks to try to get, you know, pieces out to get it broke free to where we could drop this thing out and get mm -hmm. a new chain in it. Mm -hmm. Well, I told the, the farmer, I'm like, hey, because we're sitting in a, a dry cornfield with a bunch of, you know, fluff that is extremely flammable. And I'm going to be dropping hot slag down this elevator. So I'm like, you know, we kind of clean the ground where it's just bare dirt underneath the elevator. But I'm like, hey, dude, you need to be paying attention and make sure we're not catching anything on fire under this <laughs> elevator. He's like, yeah, no, no problem. I'm like, all right. So I'm up in the grain tank. I'm, I'm cutting away. And all of a sudden, I just see a bunch of smoke coming up the elevator and into the grain tank. I'm like, what the heck? And I look over the side of the combine, and we got flames coming up the side of the combine. And I look over, and the customer's on the phone, <laughs> like 15 yards from the combine, with his back to us, talking on the phone. <laughs> i'm like oh shit uh, hello so i just <laughs> so i grab i just take my torch line my airline i throw it out of the grain tank and me and steve go flying out of the out of the combine and then the farmer's wife shows up and freaks out and is like you gotta get in the combine and move it it's on fire and by this time the whole underneath side of the combine is on fire like it's caught the field on fire this combine is just sitting in flames right so I have my truck parked on the right side of the combine and the farmer gets in the combine and fires it up and he backs up and he backs his corn head right into the front of my truck and just smacks the front of the truck. No shit. I'm like, and his wife's like, stop, stop. You're, you're hitting his truck. And so he, he goes to go forward. Right. And just for some reason, I'm like at the, the right rear tire of the combine. I'm thinking, where's steve oh and i and i'm i run around the front duels of the combine and there is steve laying on his hands and knees i don't know what the heck he's doing on the ground but he's right in front of the duels wow. and that combine i hear that hydro kick in and go start to go forward and i just i ran around the duels i've seen steve i grabbed him by his carhartt jacket <laughs> and as i'm getting getting ready to throw him out of the way the combine is rolling forward and his leg and his foot popped out from underneath the duel like it made a pop noise as i'm throwing him out of the no way and that shit. combine just launches forward 
Wow. So like he almost got crushed by a 50,000 pound combine. Oh my God. He wasn't hurt or nothing. He wasn't hurt or nothing. He was just white as a ghost. I just kind of, I, you know, full adrenaline. I'm, you know, 6'4", 285 pounds. I just launched little Steve flying through the corn stalks. He was probably hurt by that. <laughs> and then I just, the combine went forward and then I got in my truck and I got my fire extinguisher out. You know, I had not really used a fire extinguisher to try to put out a fire that big and I felt like I was charging hell with a water pistol, but I was actually able to get that entire field put out with a fire extinguisher. Y'all don't carry uh, like water cannons on your truck or anything like that? There's water, you know, extinguishers on the combines, but that was just the quickest thing I had I got available in, in the heat of moment. And I just went out there and just, I actually put it out. Wow. And uh, once the, the fire was out, I looked at Steve and dude, he was just white as a sheet, man. Man. Like he, like he almost just got crushed to death. And I'm like, Steve, <laughs> you go home. I'm going to go finish putting this chain in this combine. And I went back in the grain tank and finished cutting that thing out and got it done. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's crazy <laughs> though. That's uh, I actually, now that I think about it, I've got a oh shit moment. Um, Back in my automotive days, way back when I was using a bench grinder, and uh-huh. I uh, was working on a Jeep Cherokee or something like that, and I was doing a water pump, and I was trying to clean the threads off with the wire wheel on the bench grinder, and uh-huh. somehow it pulled that to that fitting in, and it slung it back out and hit me in the forehead, <laughs> and it knocked me stupid, but it cut my forehead open, and I. Re- I don't really remember much because it hit me so hard, but I remember like looking down and seeing like blood just dripping out of my face and like, (laughs) holy shit, you know? And at that time we had two shops and my boss was in the other shop working because that's where our office was. And I had somehow I managed to walk across the parking lot. I don't even remember. And that was probably a big oh shit moment for me because it hit me right above my left eyebrow and I had safety glasses on, but I feel like if it would have hit me in my safety glasses, it probably would have still hit me in the eye. Um, yeah, you're right above the, the eyebrow, yeah. And sometimes, like, now, I, just like today I was using a bench grinder, and uh, I was you, I broke a bolt off on a turbo today, so I needed to center punch the bolt to drill it out, and so I was kind of just sharpening my center punch, and... I'm watching the stone wheel kind of wobble because it's like ground funny. And I'm like, well, this thing's going to fly apart and hit me in the face. <laughs> you get a little PTSD every time you're on the bench grinder now. Yeah, pretty much. And that was years <laughs> ago, but still, it's, it, that stuff scares me, man. High spinning stuff. Um, bench yeah. grinders are dangerous. Yeah, they are, man. And uh, yeah, it's... It, it, that was scary, and I still got the scar to remind myself. But uh, let's jump into something different, man. Uh, you got quite a few things, um, tools. I don't even want to talk about that at the moment. <laughs> what's a? How about what's a what's a typical day for you um, look like? Uh, like, because I it's different for everybody. Um, you know, you're working in the shop or you're out in the field. Give yeah, I guess it depends on what time of year it is. So yeah. like, like say like, like right now, 
mm-hmm. you know, winter time, you know, in the shop working on stuff. I get up at five o'clock in the morning and I get ready and then I help get the kids ready, mm-hmm. you know, feeding breakfast. Oh, we're going sure way back. To go. and then okay. <laughs> I, uh, I leave about between six and six thirty, and then I drive about 25 minutes okay. to the shop. And then I get to the shop, you know, unlock the door. I'm usually the first, I'm usually the first person in that side of the shop. And I turn the lights on and, um, I got to fire up my computer because we got to clock in all the, the details. <laughs> so I get, you know, every signed in and yeah. get into my, my time clock and get ready to sign in. I just kind of sit there and chill for 10 minutes. And I might be listening to the certified wrench podcast at that point in time. Oh, nice. Nice one. I like how you did that. <laughs> you know, because usually, like, if I start it whenever I leave my house, I don't have enough time to finish it by the time I get to work. So then, like, as I'm, like, getting ready for work, I'll be listening to the Certified Ranch podcast. This is going to be a good one. We're already at an hour. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. We haven't even gotten into any of our topics hardly. No, hardly. But, uh Go on. I mean, so, we can. We so can anyway, go as so long I'll as you clock want. in and then I'll start at seven o'clock. I'm ready to rock. Mm-hmm. I'll start, you know, like right now I'm working on a S680 Pro Drive failure. Oh, You've still. Seen the, yeah. You know, videos on that. So right now I'm working on that. Um, I'll work until 10 o'clock. We'll take a 15 minute break, then work till noon. We take a half hour lunch, work till three, take a 15 minute break, and then at five o'clock I go home. Do you, you know, that's that's a typical day in the shop. Okay. But in the field, like let's say spring or harvest, you know, I might get to work a little bit earlier because I might need to check on parts and I'm I'm thinking about the places I'm gonna go that day. Yep. You know, like I got well I got parts in for this, this and this. I need to go here, here, and here. I need to call these people. And then, you know, if I got somewhere to go first thing in the morning, I'm going to go there. I'm going to get that done. And then maybe I might have a second place to go after that. Maybe I don't. I just email my service manager from my service truck. Be like, okay, this guy's done. What's next? Yeah. And then he, he just emails me another work order. Call this guy. Call call this guy. Hey, what's going on? He tells me what the problem. He tells me where he is, you know. If it's somewhere I know where it is, I'll just drive there. If it's not somewhere I know, he'll, you know, send me a pen. And then I'll just, you know, GPS to whatever pen he sends. And then (laughs) we'll get there. We'll figure out what the problem is, you know. And I might do 10 stops Mm -hmm. in a day. And I might drive, you know, 400 miles in in a typical day at harvest. One thing I can say I do not miss about ag is tractor hunting. Trying to find the tractor. Because <laughs> they all look the same. They look the same. Well, where I'm from, uh, a lot of orchards. So you're trying to find an orchard tractor in probably 100 acres or more. <laughs> and you're like crouching oh. down, trying to see if maybe, yeah, it's tough. Well, do you see everything where I'm at is like the world's best farm ground? Mm-hmm. It's all black dirt and it's all squared off in mile sections. Yeah. And it's open land ain't it open land so i'll be like hey you need to go to the corner of 1500 and 1600 and go two miles east and i'm on the north hand side 
That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm used to, you know, you're going to go down this one road and you're going to see a couple concrete patches and then on the fence you're going to see a disc blade. You're going to go past that 1.7 miles and then hang a left at the tree, you know. <laughs> but if you went to the black cow, you went too far. Yeah, exactly. Uh <laughs> Well, that's that's cool, man. That sounds like everybody else's typical day in the field, or you know, field and shop. For me, it's mm-hmm. when I were, used to work at the deer construction dealer. I never worked in the shop, no matter what time of year, what time of day. You know, we were always in the field. The only time we went to the shop is if we absolutely had to go get parts or drop something off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely miss that. Um, cause now it's, I love my job now, but like right now I'm stuck in the shop and I hate it. I'm going stir crazy. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you get, see what's cool about my job is it's kind of, it's, it's both, you yeah. know, it's field tech and it's shop tech. Yep. And I, and I, like, I had that. You hit the field and you do those 70 hour, 70, 80 hour weeks, mm-hmm. you know, week after week and you get burnt out in the field and you're like, yeah. I'm ready to be back in the shop. And then you go back to the shop and then you work in the shop for a month or two and you're like, I'm ready to go back out to the field. <laughs> it's just back and forth. What a, what a perfect thing to bounce into uh burnout. Uh, I, I know burnout. you suggested on talking a little bit different about burnout. Let's get into that. Um, stop or you know getting burned out and uh, my thing is how do you keep from getting burned out or how do you get out of being burned out what did you want to talk about so like if i'm let's say we're like in the field and we're busy season you know it's just because we work six days a week we but we get sunday off always oh really yeah (laughs) our dealership is closed on sunday so you always get one day Jesus. So that's really nice. So yeah. um, I I play in a praise and worship band in church. I play drums. So on that, you know, Sunday morning, I'm always playing drums. Mm-hmm. And my whole life, I've been a musician. I've always played drums and guitar. So, you know, kind of a way for me to get, not get burned out is whenever I clock out at the end of the day, I don't go home and work on a hot rod or a tractor. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm done. I don't want to wrench. I don't want to touch a tool. When I come home, I want to be with my family or, you know, I'm, I'm a huge uh, gun collector. I like shooting guns. I like to hunt. I like to play guitar. I like to play drums. You know, I like to listen to music, watch TV, movies, you know, there's a whole nother side of ZK master tech that involves (laughs) nothing with a wrench. Hopefully uh, we don't have any snowflakes listening. You talked about guns. You probably offended them. I have a serious collection of guns. <laughs> Snowflakes don't listen. <laughs> no yeah, I, I love guns. I, I love shooting guns. And, you know, the, the, the amount of guns that you're supposed to have is always X plus one. Mm-hmm. So X is the current amount of guns you have. And then. So there's always room for plus one. So is what you're saying is you're probably getting watched by the FBI. <laughs> I'm probably not the FBI, but the ATF would probably be more involved. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> but everything I have is legal. Yeah, no, I, I get it. But, you know, you don't need more than one, according to some people. Sometimes you don't even need any, you know. 
But no, you I don't even want to get into that. I don't want to especially get... shotguns. I'm I, shotgun is probably my favorite gun. Yeah, I just one thing I've always swore to myself about this podcast is I wouldn't get into any of that political crap about guns or any of that, and I would not talk about COVID. Like it comes up sometimes, like oh yeah, that's when COVID hit and kind of took a strain on us. But I will not talk about that crap. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> This sure. is COVID-free zone and snowflake-free zone. Um, yep, I, I agree. So that's that's pretty much how you do it. Uh, you don't. I, I, but still, yep. I mean, you're sometimes you said you're pulling seventy hours plus a week. I mean, that can get that can just burn you out there. Yeah, it can. You know, but uh, I guess some people can do it and some people can't. Yeah, um, I'm kind of one of those guys that can. You know, like a a 16-hour day in the field is easier on me than a 10-hour day on the concrete in the shop. Of course, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, You already know my frustration with this one. <laughs> Can you take a guess? Uh, uh, tools? Yes. Uh, you want to talk about them. Um, it's up to you, man. No, I, I'm shit. I'm completely fine with it. I just I like giving people a hard time because all they say is I want to talk tools. Well, what do you want to talk about? So, what would you like to talk about, Mister Key? Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, I'm a tool nut. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I have two or three of everything that you could possibly want. Um, so, I have enough tools in the shop as I do in my truck. So I don't have to take any tools out of my truck. Yeah. That tells you anything. That's cool. Cause, cause whenever I'm working on a job in the shop and we got a bunch of tools out and then a service call comes in and you got to leave right now, I don't have to pick up a bunch of crap. Yeah. That's cool. I can see that. I can just jump in my truck and I'm gone. So, so. for the new, new guys, um, Cause I get a lot of new guys, you know, approaching me. I'm sure you do too. Um, mm-hmm. what kind of tools do you recommend for an apprentice or whatever you want to call it? Like, what do you think they should start out with? Um, stay off the snap on truck. <laughs> That's not what I meant, but I agree. Just like, you, you know, what, what's, you know, if you're just starting out as an apprentice, um, one thing that's cool about our dealership is the Sloan's apprenticeship program will buy you $1,500 worth of John Deere tools oh, that you get to keep. You just have to work. Is it a year or two? I can't remember how long you have to work a certain amount of time before you can actually say they're technically yours. You, know, mm-hmm. you can't start there and work six months and take the tools home. But um, so they get a pretty good set of hand tools just right off the bat. And John Deere tools are awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, their wrenches and sockets and everything are really great. Oh, yeah. I've got Allen so, sockets and wrenches and all John Deere stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, if I were to do it over again, but, you know, when I graduated from WyoTech, you know, we could get 50% off of uh, Snap-on hand tools and 65% off of Snap-on box. Oh, wow. So, you know. That's cool. I I think I spent like $25,000 worth of tools right off the the bat and that was half off Mm -hmm. 
you know, so if you get a deal like that, you know, you might as well. Yeah, of course. If you can get, if you can get snap on tools half off, you know, go for it. Just don't drown your freaking self in high interest debt. Exactly. But you know, there is a lot of good manufacturers like gear inch tecton and Mm -hmm. sun x and you know there's all kinds of stuff out there that you can go out and buy that's just as good as quality and and get the job done you don't have to have snap on everything no you know and as you get better over time and you make more money you know you can start buying the nicer things that you like off the snap-on truck you know the things that you use a lot like a a 10 and a 13, a 15 socket, you know, and an impact swivel, you know, you might want to get snap on cause you know, you're constantly using those all the time and you're going to figure that out over time. But when you're first starting out and you, let's say you're not going through a tech school or something where you get a deal, you know, what the tool trucks like you do when you graduate college, you know, you're going to be buying the tools that maybe your dealership provides or, um, getting on Amazon and buying Tecton and gear inch and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I totally, I was going to say something and I forgot what I was going to say. God damn it. I do this every time. Uh, man, what the hell was I going to say? Uh, man, I done, I done forgot what I was going to say. It was something. Oh, uh, my, my rules always been, uh, if I use something of somebody else's more than three times, I should probably buy it. Um, yep. and I kind of recommend that to the new guys, you know, <clears throat> if you're having to borrow something, hopefully not too expensive, but you know, if you're having to borrow it quite often, you should probably get yourself one. Um, yep. like when you're just starting out, if you borrow it three times, then you buy it. And then as time goes on, I think the amount of times you borrow it, it goes down. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I have to borrow something from another guy, I'm, I'm already ordering it. On my <laughs> exactly. <phone. laughs> I did that yesterday. Um, <laughs> and I sure hate, you know, if, if I wanted to get sponsored by snap on, I probably couldn't on this podcast because we constantly tell people not to go on the snap on truck. Yeah. Um, anyway, man, we're. I've, I've spent a lot of money with Snap On, so, oh, so they can't say anything bad about me. So have I. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, do you want to go? You got anything for me? Um, I know you. What's guess. a typical day like you for you? Uh, work wise or? <laughs> yeah. Dude, honestly. Well, okay, so so tell me like a typical day of work for you, like busy season and maybe slow time. And then tell me what you do to avoid burnout and what you like to do on the side. So honestly, for me to tell you like what a typical day looks like for me is kind of hard because what I work for a private construction company and we do underground utilities, all um, sewer, water, mains, and drains. Um so there's days where I'm balls to the wall working, you know, and there's days where I ain't got anything going on. Um, so it, it's a lot different than working, you know, for a dealership or anything like that. So, I mean, we can just go down like a busy day. Um, if I'm going straight from my house to one of our job sites, uh, I'm usually out there 
take care of whatever I got to and then calling the boss, what's next? And then I'll get sent. Basically, you know, I'm here in North Texas and we have job sites <laughs> everywhere, uh, all over the Metroplex. So it's, it's really hard to explain, but I'm, we have mainly, uh, so we've probably got all together maybe about hundred hundred mm, pieces of machinery, and everything. I'd say probably about ninety to ninety five percent is deer, and the rest is oh, caterpillar machines. Um, so we got like two two track loaders that are cat, and we have a wiggle wagon that's a cat. If you guys don't know what a wiggle wagon is, I hope you do. It's a articulated dump truck. We have one cat, two deer articulated dump trucks, and cool. we got one motor grader that's a, a cat. The rest rest of everything is deer, um, which I'm happy with because I'm a deer guy. You know, that's all I know. I know a little bit about cat, but anyway, that's uh, – so I'm just running around, whether it's something, you know, like a broken coupler hydraulic line – or if we've got something major that needs to be diagnosed, I, that's me. Um, mm-hmm. I know how to do it all. Um, burnout for me, I honestly, I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> There's times where I get burned out with what I do. You know, it's hard work, but um, I'm usually at the most working 45 hours a week now. And I'm pretty, oh, dude, pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty damn spoiled with it. Um and I work Monday through Friday. Sometimes I work Saturday if we're, you know, behind, like, because of rain and we're having to work Saturdays. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not very often. And nice. I've I've gotten pretty lucky to where I have a boss that, you know, knows what I'm worth. And um, he pays me really well. And I can tell you right now that my pay now, even though I'm only working 45 hours maybe compared to 70 or more, at a dealership, I make more money in one week than I did in two weeks at the dealership. <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> so, because he, he just he takes care of me, you know. And uh, my boss, I ho- I'm hoping to have my boss on here one day, um, because he's been he started out with deer in 1980, and he started wow. as a technician in the shop went to a field tech became a service manager became all this stuff for the local deer dealership all the way up to general manager so he's been around and seen you know everything yeah yeah he's got to be a really good resource for you (laughs) yeah and um i mean i look up to him a lot Uh, he's definitely a big role model for me and uh He's uh he's well known in the industry and he can be a tough guy to deal with, but for some reason him and I get along insanely good. <laughs> it's insane. But anyway, I'm sorry for that long story. No, that's he answered all my questions. Right on. So um, would he be like a, a, a mentor for you? I'd say he... I wish I would have had him back when I first started. Um because, yeah, he definitely knows a lot. But now it's more him and I feed off of each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he knows a lot. I know quite a bit. And it's like we bounce a lot of ideas off of each other. And, 
Yeah, we definitely feed. And I try to impress him as much as I can. He's that type of guy. Like, man, I got to impress this guy. Like, if he thinks it's something, I got to prove him wrong and be like, I fixed that. (laughs) (laughs) So. Well, that that sounds like a good relationship that makes you a better technician because definitely, you know, he's probably hard to impress because he's been there, done that, mm-hmm. you know, done a little bit of everything, and you know, you're trying to prove yourself as well. So you always have that little drive, you know, to you know to keep you doing what you do at the the highest level you possibly can. Yeah, and like I said earlier, I was you know I'm working on this excavator in the shop right now, and yeah, I fixed one thing and another thing breaks like the uh i had to pull as a nine liter i had to pull a valve cover off pull the rocker arms off and pull the intake rocker box off because it was leaking oil and going to put it back together broke a bunch of bolts should have should have replaced them but i didn't think about it and i was going to plug in the egr temp sensor and literally the whole plug on the engine harness fell apart in my hand (laughs) <laughs> so I'm like, what do you want to do? Do you want to replace the plug or do you want to replace the harness? And he's like, eh, let's just get the plug first. See if it's right. If it's not right, we'll get a harness, <laughs> you know? And meanwhile, I'm sitting there like, crap, he's going to be pissed. Cause it's another thing. But yeah. And like, I think it, is it need to get running like right away? No, he's not hurting. We got a spare out there and he's not too worried about it. I, I should have it done by Tuesday at the latest. So. So does you you guys do have spare equipment sitting around to kind of keep some pressure off of you? Yes, sir. So we we actually try to replace most of our older machines as they start hitting ten thousand hours. Um, we try to replace at least eight a year, and our older ones, if they're in good shape and they're not very high, we'll keep them as spares. We'll, we at least have two of each. I don't know if you know anything about the construction deer side, like the sizes or anything. Yeah, um, I, I don't know much. I, I do skid loaders and mini excavators. I got you. It. So, um, like a 350G is a midsize excavator. It's got a, a six point, or it's got a 6090 in it. And then we have 470s, which the older ones were Zuzu engines. The newer ones have 135s in them. So you can imagine the size. And then we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have a bunch of 350s and a bunch of 470s. And then we have four big ones, which our older ones are 850Ds. But now our new ones are 870Gs. And those have uh, Isuzu engines in them. I don't, hmm. what do the 870s have in them? I don't even remember now. I don't work on them that often anymore. Uh, they're big ass engines. I forget what size. I don't work on them that often, but, uh, yeah, we have some big machines and, uh, yeah, man, that we got spares of a little bit of everything, crew trucks, you name it. So what's the highest horsepower engine you work on? I'd say the, the, the 850, 870 G's. I don't know what the horsepower is of them, but, uh, they're big ass fucking engines. <laughs> the Zizu or the deer engine? The, there is Zuzu engine. God damn, I'm I am brain farting on what leader they are. I can't remember. <clears throat> I'm sure people are gonna listen to this and be like, "This guy's stupid. He doesn't know what he's doing." <laughs> I just don't pay attention to him that often, you know. Yeah, um, well, it's not something you touch all the time and work on all the time. It's, yeah, and you know. 
our the company split up into kind of two. We have you know our our dirt side, and then all of our crew trucks and gas engines and all that stuff. We have a whole nother shop for, and we have two guys there that service them, change the brakes, all that stuff. So I don't have to work on crew trucks often mm. unless they break down in the middle of the street. Um, but yeah, man, it's pretty much the biggest it. thing I work on is a 15 liter QSX Cummins. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think the 850 and 870 is 15 liter, but I could be wrong. But I, I, I've worked on the nine RX and nine R's with the 15 liter at uh, yeah. the deer dealership at the construction dealer. Those are good engines. Yeah, they are. But I just have to, and you probably don't know this, but the service advisor um, program, mm-hmm. it the all of your manuals and stuff are completely different on the, the ag side compared to the construction side. Oh, I'm sure they're um, different between tractors and combines. So yeah, yeah it's well, it just different. seems like it on the ag side, it's harder to find stuff. Um, on the construction side, it's like you go to manuals, operations and tests and everything's right there. And it's so easy to, to get through it. But uh, I have all the construction stuff on service fire. I just never look into it. <laughs> yeah. I, you definitely make me miss the ag side, man. Sometimes I want to go back to the ag dealer, but no thanks. Oh, I love the ag side, man. <laughs> you just never worked in construction. There's really not, I mean, there's like one construction dealer that's like maybe 45 to an hour away from my house. Mm-hmm. But other than that, the, the construction's not very big around here. I got you. you know, we're, we're just in the middle of ag country. Mm-hmm. I got you. And what's a, what kind of stuff are they farming out there? What do you, what's Corn your and beans and a little bit of wheat, but it's mainly corn and soybeans. Okay. Right on. I was, was kind of curious about that because where I'm from in Northern California, I grew up, uh, it is mainly, I'm sure you heard this when my wife was on Sweat and Grind, but mainly uh, rice is what's growing out there. And, gotcha. Uh, I don't know if you've ever dealt with a rice combine, but. So that rice is hard on combines. I yes, know that. it's very abrasive and it wears them out. And rice chaff is one of the worst things to deal with because it feels like you're rolling around in in uh, fiberglass. Yeah, we we got a couple of combines from California, some old like ninety six fifties, and we shipped them like straight to Russia. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> they had like nine or ten thousand hours on them, and there was just holes in them i've never seen before it's wild stuff welded that i've never seen welded back together before it was just yeah i used to have to go in and put new stainless in the feeder houses because it'd get wore out so quick it was an it's insane yeah rice is very abrasive like when you go in to look at the options you know rice is always the high wear option Mm -hmm. yep it was fun though i had a good time man i learned a lot but uh man we're we're sitting at an hour and 27 minutes so we can wrap this thing up or we can keep going whatever you want i just don't want to bore the people to death holy smokes man (laughs) well we were gonna we're you're wanting to at the end you're wanting to talk more about the youtube channel and possibly my 
wife's phone. Yeah, well, I definitely want to plug the YouTube channel, man, because, uh, you know, uh, you've definitely helped me out quite a bit uh, with shouting me out on there. And uh, I definitely want to give you the plug because a lot of people have discovered you on, on this podcast. And um, I want to make sure, you know, we let them know, you know, about you. And then I want to definitely talk about your wife because, uh, you know, she has a book out and, uh, I'd like to get for you to give the details about that. Cause it's very interesting. It's a great story. Um, so, I mean, if you want to wrap this thing up, man, we can, we can definitely, definitely wrap it up. Like we have, we have enough content for two podcasts. Dude. I'm pretty sure we can do another podcast pretty soon for everybody yeah like we have enough for part two (laughs) for sure let's do that yeah i'm i'm always down i'm ready for bed so yeah let's wrap this damn thing up okay so i guess i'll just talk about my wife's book so okay um so i talked about you know us getting married you know eight days after she graduated high school but you know the the story that you don't know is you know her story Mm -hmm. growing up in you know, how she, you know, her mom worked at a nursing home and she would go there as a young girl and volunteer and do stuff. And she met a older lady there that was a resident of the nursing home and she didn't speak any English. She only spoke Spanish. Hmm. And, you know, they were unlikely friends because, you know, there's a little girl and an elderly woman and they're from two different parts of the world. So, you know, she was from Mexico my wife was from Salton, Illinois, <laughs> and, you know, they didn't speak the same language, but, you know, they were inseparable from the first day they met. And then their unique relationship took them on a kind of a life-changing journey, leaving a legacy that will continue on for generations. Hmm. So, you know, she taught my wife how to speak Spanish and kind of gave my wife a passion for the language. And so, you know, the, her book you know, is, you know, based on the belief that God puts people in our lives for a reason. You know, it, the book is called Tomate, which means tomato in Spanish, but you'll find out what it, why it's called Tomate. You know, that was her, her nickname. So <laughs> it's a compelling true story of faith and friendship that is sure to warm your heart. And, you know, <laughs> fellas out there, it'd be the perfect gift for your wife. Uh, I can dig that. Anyway. So it's, it's called Tomate. So, um, you're going to learn a lot about me because, you know, I'm in the book, I'm part of the story, you know, as she met me when she was 16 years old and it, you know, it follows our story, you know, from when she was a little kid, when she met, um, Juana was her name, Mm -hmm. the lady she met. So it kind of goes from there and you learn about me and my wife's love story and, you know, how she became a Spanish teacher. And now we have two kids that are five and six years old. My son, he's six and uh, his name is Zarek. And my daughter's name is Zaya and she's five and they're 13 months apart. And they're <laughs> the best of friends and the enemies at the same time. <laughs> oh, I can understand. Uh, where can, so she's, she is a published author, correct? She is a published author. Okay. You can find her book on Amazon. You can uh, search Tomate or in her name is Donaya Key, which is D-A-W-N-A-Y-A. Last name's Key, K-E-Y. 
So if you type in Tamate Donea Key in Amazon, her book will pop up. You can find it basically anywhere you can get books. Oh. Amazon, Apple, you know, wherever. But if you want a signed copy, you can contact her through Facebook or you can get a hold of me either on Facebook or Instagram and I can get you guys a signed copy. Yeah, I think I'm going to uh, link that in the description for this podcast uh and I'll, I'll get a hold of you you know we can get that put together that's way anybody can find it you know super easy if that's okay with you yeah yeah it's fine cool man yeah i'm uh, i'm definitely gonna get the book because i'm pretty interested in it and uh, well, i'm gonna i'm gonna send you a signed copy what? oh man <laughs> yeah awesome and and i got a, i got another present for you too that i'm gonna send with it really I already, I already rocked the ZK Master Tech shirt, man. <laughs> How do you like the shirts? That's great, man. They're uh, they're great quality. So, but yeah, I really like the moisture wicking ones. Those ones are sweet. Oh, okay, okay, good to know. But uh, let's yeah. let's plug this this uh, this YouTube channel and your Instagram and stuff, man. I I definitely want to pe- get people you know interested. Sure. So, did you see the? The story I posted today on Instagram. I did. I didn't get to listen to it, so I'm going to have to go back and listen to it, but I saw it. So it's, it's, I was trying to keep it a secret, but, uh, um, the millennial farmer kind of let it out of the bag today. <laughs> um, but I'm, uh, let's see, next week, Wednesday, I'm driving up to Minnesota, oh, which wow. is going to be like a 10 hour drive. Okay. And Thursday and Friday, I am filming content with a millennial farmer. That's awesome, man. I follow him yeah. on Instagram. So I was just sitting on my couch one day and my phone goes off. I'm like, oh, who's this? I got an Instagram message and it was from the millennial farmer. I'm like, <laughs> hmm, I'll be dang. And, you know, he, he told me he loved my, my YouTube channel and loved what I was doing. We got to chatting back and forth and he invited me up to his place to do some winter content and i'm like i'm i'm game let's do it <laughs> awesome where uh where can these folks find you on youtube or instagram or wherever you want to let them know so you type in zk master tech it will instantly come up on youtube um you can find me on instagram as zk you know underscore master tech as well so it's all pretty simple it's all zk master tech youtube instagram it's pretty much you know all i do i mainly do youtube and instagram Mm -hmm. i do a little bit of facebook but you know it's more more personal private i got you right on man well i i appreciate you coming on here man i've uh ever since i discovered you or we discovered each other I've, i've really gotten to I don't really know how to explain it. I guess look up to you a little bit because uh, it's just such a good channel, man. And you do, you great, you do great content. So, and I was, I was actually, I don't get nervous at these things, but I was nervous for this podcast for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) But I I definitely, I hope we can team up. It all worked out. Team up again, man. Oh, I will be a guest on your show anytime you need me, buddy. Yep, and uh, maybe one day I can make it on the YouTube channel. Wave at it. Yeah, you'll have to come to Illinois. Hell yeah. But uh, you ready to wrap this up? I found out about you through the the Heavy Wrench live stream. Okay. 
we got to plug that. That's yeah. actually how I found out about you. That's if funny. it wasn't for the heavy wrenches live stream, I wouldn't have even known you existed. Yeah, I, I just got my uh, questionnaire back from Phil, and I'm hoping to get him on pretty soon. So, See, Phil actually kind of did the same thing that I did for you. Like, Phil found me early on mm-hmm. and contacted me and and got me on his live stream and, you know, interviewed me and we talked and, and you know, he, he's, he's supported me, you know, kind of in my, my YouTube journey. And I really look up to him and right Phil is just an awesome guy and I think he's amazing. So whenever I came across your podcast and you were just starting out, you know, I wanted to, <laughs> you know give you the credit and get your stuff going too. Cause I think what you're doing is awesome, man. Cause yeah, man. there's no one else really doing what you're doing. And I really love that because there's no one out there doing kind of what I'm doing either. Exactly. Exactly. I hope, I hope to grow this thing. You know, I'm not looking to make profit or anything off of it. I'm just, I'm just doing it. And, uh, I want people, this to is you it. avoiding burnout. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, man, I'm ready to wrap this thing up. Uh, if you're good to go, um, I'm good, man. I appreciate you getting me on here. It's been fun. Right on. I'm going to wrap this thing up with a little bit of, uh, love because, uh, first of all, I got to give you uh special thanks for giving me a shout out and pretty much blowing this thing up. Um, I want to give everybody that listens a shout out because, we, uh, I, as of today, the podcast is almost at 4,300 downloads, which is insane amount. Wow. This, uh, I started this January 3rd is when I released the first episode and we're in the middle of February. That's, that's insane. <laughs> that's a lot, dude. Like, yeah, it's grown that's quickly. Just, that's just downloads. That's not listens. I can't see how many listens I've gotten. Um, and, can, I don't know what analytics you can see. Yeah, on I can YouTube, see, you can you can see everything. I can see but, everything, but but how many listens I've gotten. Um, but anyway, this this thing's just gone crazy, and I just want to let everybody know. You know, this uh, I'm I'm happy to be doing this, and I'm hoping everybody's appreciating it and loving it, and uh, definitely. Give me some shout outs or if you can, if you want, you don't have to, um, leave me some reviews, some likes, you know, on whatever listening platform you're, you're on. And man, I, I'm, it just leaves me speechless. It, how Give us more things to talk about. Yeah. Give us more things to talk about if you want. Um, fuck man. I don't even, <laughs> I'm speechless. We'll talk about anything. Yeah. Um, anyways, I want to, I just, I appreciate it. And, uh, I want to say thanks to everybody that's helped me out, get this far and all the love, you know, messages. And I get pe- people telling me every day, you know, like you're doing a great thing and it just blows me away. Cause I, I didn't think it was going to go this far. And, uh, it's all thanks to everybody listening. But, uh, anyways, just, just wait till you go to the store and someone wants to take a selfie with you. <laughs> well, good thing about podcasts. They don't know what I look like unless they're on my Instagram. <laughs> yeah. But you said you're starting that YouTube channel though. Yeah. But we'll see how big that gets. But anyway, if you guys need to get a hold of me, 
certified wrench podcast at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram certified wrench underscore podcast. I also now have a Facebook page. It's just certified wrench podcast. And if you uh, got any questions or anything like that, just let me know. And if you're interested in being on, let me know as well. I'll get you a questionnaire just like Zeth filled out and uh, we'll get you in line to be on the podcast. Until next time, I appreciate it, Zeth, for you coming on. And Thank uh, you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. No problem, man, at all. Hopefully we can have you back soon. And uh, that's going to be it. So thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Until next time.